Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. With Tesco, where you won't pay more for the products that matter most to you. Tesco, every little helps. Very well uh, be joining me in the next hour. So uh, we obviously should start uh, with the coronavirus this morning and uh, the fact that there was that confirmed case in the Republic of Ireland over uh, the weekend uh, alongside that confirmed case in Belfast and uh, in that instance somebody had come through Dublin Airport and headed north uh, and it feels closer for people now and obviously uh, that creates uh, concerns uh, for them uh, as well. So uh, we want to uh, get a sense of how people are feeling on the ground uh, this morning, some, as you've heard there, feeling is nothing to be particularly concerned about. But there are other people listening this morning who are very, very worried about it uh, indeed. And uh, I'm joined on the line uh, by uh, from Arima, Ireland, uh, a Limerick face mask manufacturer, Kieran O'Brien. And uh, good morning to you, Kieran. How are you doing? Not too bad, Joe, and yourself? Good, Kieran. Now, uh, we actually were chatting to you guys uh, a few weeks back, and uh, I know since then uh, a lot of national media have picked up on it uh, as well, and you were already getting busy because of the coronavirus, uh, and uh, if anything, you're busier now. Yeah, I would say so, Joe. Look, we're trying to ramp up. to We'd usually be a 24-5 operation here, and we're ramping up to 24-7. We're hiring people at the moment to, 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 I suppose, be able to to meet the demand that's out there. Like, we're a contract manufacturer, first and foremost, so some of the big mask mask brands around the world, they've ramped up their their demands, so we're trying to fulfil it. So we've fired about 12 or 14 people out in Kilmallock now in the last... What two or three weeks with a uh, probably another ten fifteen to be filled in the next in the next couple of weeks to get us up to that up to that uh, level. And Kieran, where are your face masks going in general? Every, everywhere and anywhere, Joe. They're going they're going around the world. But I suppose we we have a, a distributor in Ireland in the in the HS who supply the HSE and the pharmaceuticals, and they've been a long held uh, Promedicare long held distributor of ours. So basically, in the Irish market, we'd be providing into the HSE and all the pharmacies. But again, we're a manufacturer, so it goes through that that kind of a process. We, we're not a we're not open to the general public, and we don't have a retail wing to ourselves. It's very much manufacturing for distribution. Now we have heard from medics over the last week or so that there. Was worried about people essentially panic buying products like face masks that you know they're they're effective to some degree but not for everybody i suppose joe the only thing you can ever advise someone to do is go with the advice of their gp you know people tend to get caught up in things and they say oh, i'm going to get this i'm going to get hand sanitizer i'm going to get a face mask and i go well you have to go with the experts i'm not an expert medically you're not an expert medically so if your gp or the hsc is telling you what to do this is really what you have to do um self-diagnosing or dr google isn't the way to do things you know first and foremost our products are going into the hsc do you know what i mean that's that for, for medical professionals that's really who's who's using that face mask and that's the ones who have to use them you know yeah but the surgeon general in the u.s um, released a statement over the weekend essentially begging people there to stop buying face masks and saying that actually they're only really of use to those who are infected to prevent or help prevent the spread that they have very limited use if you don't have it to stop you getting it. Yeah, and again, it goes back to that point, Joe, that it is, it is the medical professionals that, that buy our masks all year round because of the fact that it's very important for the medical professionals, people in, in, in hospitals, frontline people to have those masks. 
we don't sell to the general public. You know, that's and, and I suppose it's not for me to put people at ease not to go get them. But if your if your GP or if the HSE is telling you you don't need them, they're they're the experts in this game. You know. Mm. And how right. long do you think, Kieran, you're going to have to have uh, production ramped up um, at Irema? Well, I suppose this is this is unprecedented. Like we've been through SARS and we've been through swine flu and we've been through bird flu and we would have ramped up and had to ramp up to an element. But this would probably be even longer. It's hard to know. It really is. There's a, there's an issue here, Joe, Joe, in the fact that we're lucky in the fact that we have a factory here in Kamalak. We've been here for 35 years. But we're the only Irish manufacturer, and there isn't many Western European factor, uh, manufacturers. I think um, our MD John would have said that when he spoke to you previously. Eighty odd percent of mass manufacturing is in China. So what's happened in terms of the, the hole in the market is the fact that when China closed down for the New Year and then subsequently uh, Corona, there's about six eight weeks worth of global supply that's missing now. So we could be at this for three months, we could be at it for six months, we could be at nine months, just to start fulfilling back in uh, or filling the gap that was left by the Chinese market being literally closed down for eight to ten weeks. And some of the mass manufacturers are still closed down. Right. Now, Kieran, uh, you have a PR background as well. What do you make of the way information is being spread here in general, you know, outside of the specific product that we're talking about uh, this morning and uh, how people are grasping the essentials? And then, of course, uh, what we're seeing on social media. Look, I think, again, it, it, it's quite difficult. It's a different world now because of social media. You can't keep anything to yourself. It's not like the days 10 or 15 years ago when you and me, Joe, you could give an embargo press release and hold on to it for three days. Those days are gone. You know, we now have a scenario where we're completely looking at instant information within the space of two minutes. If, if someone has something, it's going to be out there. But there still has to be a process. I think the HSE are handling it correctly in the way they're handling it. They, you know, they, they get as much information as possible, but you can't create this kind of I don't know. I don't know what's the word I'm looking for, but you can create a panic amongst people. And I know people are looking at it and they're kind of going, "Oh well, why didn't they say the name of this particular school?" But it's really you have to go with the experts, and they know what they're doing, you know. And we have to say, right, this is yes, there's information out there. It's going to be on social media straight away. But at the end of the day, there's a process that has to be followed, you know. Um, and you can see the difference. Some some radio stations, newspapers are reporting the name of the school. Some of them are going by what the HSE guidelines are. Um, a listener saying no one's actually saying how any of the patients are doing the one in the north or uh, the one in the republic uh, no one says how their treatment is going or how they're doing and uh, this smacks of real Donald Trump news propaganda but, but again I think the HSE's view is an individual patient is entitled to their privacy Kieran in terms of their health and how it's going in fact you know someone goes in and for example gets the flu I mean they're not going to have their particular details uh, released to the public the only reason we know anything at all about this situation is because it is actually coronavirus we're talking about Absolutely Joe if someone had the measles they're not going to name little Mary Murphy from Kilbrickin. Do you know what I mean? So it, it has to be fair. You're not going to name individuals. And it is your personal health is your personal health. Yes, it's, it's, a, it's a pandemic, but or, or nearly a pandemic at this stage. But you're not going to name personal details of anyone who has any medical condition. Yeah. Um, and uh, listener asking, uh, is there any update on uh, pupils who uh, were on a trip to northern Italy and apparently have come back to uh, County Limerick over the last couple of uh, days? Well, look, we discussed all this 
last week on the show. We have been in touch with the school in question. We are reflecting uh, how people are feeling and some of the concerns that have been raised, including uh, from a listener to the Limerick Today show who was chatting to us uh, about it on the show on Friday. And there's only so much we can do after um, that. Uh, now, uh, City Vet Donald Ryan, a good friend of the Limerick Today show, is also uh, with us uh, this morning. And uh, good morning to you, Donald. Morning, morning Joe. Um, first of all, before we talk to you as a vet, with your general medical hat on, how do you feel all of this is going? How do you feel it's being handled here? I think the people who are trying to manage it are, are doing the best they can, trying to get the balance between getting people out there to behave in a sensible way and not panicking. Um, I, I think to date this morning, the, the, the number of deaths is over 3,000. This is worldwide. Worldwide, yeah. And, and that uh, percentage is what? 3 to 4% of the known cases. Well, but of course, there are very likely to be cases we don't know of. Well, well, the figures I'm, I've read are, lo- are slightly lower than that. And, and in one article I read, it suggested that the, you know, the, the normal common or gardener flu that people get every year has a higher incidence of mortality. I've I've read conflicting reports yeah. on that. You know that yeah. it's interesting. You know, yeah. pe- pe- of people that you would assume would be largely in agreement on this, and then you have some disagreement on it. But, but in terms of um, who is most likely to be affected, it appears again from the known cases and from what we know, young children don't appear to be particularly seriously affected as you go up through the ages or you have people with underlying conditions, obviously the percentages get higher. Well, that seems to be the case that people who are vulnerable or older or have other diseases are are succumb to the the virus and the effect, the the terminal effects of the virus. That seems to be the case. Mm. Now, we wanted to ask you about some of these reports uh, that, you know, I think was something that a dog had got the coronavirus or, uh, you know, is there any risk to pets or any risk of transmission between pets and humans? Well, the virus, the, the scientists believe the virus came from bats in the first place. So so it can go, one, well, appears to be able to go one way. Um, and there are other diseases, the Ebola virus, which is a far more or would appear to be a far more dangerous virus, is known to have come from monkeys in the Central African area some time ago. Um, in this situation, the case that, that's been in the media is that virus was found in the, the, the nasal passages of a dog and it's unclear. And there, were, and there was a very weak positive test and it's unclear if the dog is going to get, is, is, has become ill or not. But the, the, the dog has been quarantined and I suppose from a broader perspective, if people have animals and they become a source of infection, that'll be a big concern for the animals and for the owners themselves. But it's, it, it's, it, the scientists think it may be just simply contamination that the dog was sniffing and maybe living in close proximity to the owner. Um, so that's, and the, the, the animal is now in quarantine, so it'll be some time before we know the answer. Okay, so a watching brief really. A watching brief, a yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sean Kelly is Fine Gael MEP for this constituency of Ireland South and he's on the line. Good morning to you, Sean. Um, morning, Joe. 
So we're trying to give people as much information as we can. And I think there's a lot of frustration about some of the restrictions. And you know, the HSE have tried to explain that you know, some of it's about patient confidentiality and the like. What is the perspective uh, from a European point of view right now? Well, obviously, I think there's growing concern in Europe, particularly once it hits Europe itself, and especially uh, in Lombardy. And the fact that we're coming from all over Europe, I'm on my way to Brussels now, uh, some people uh, coming to Brussels are bound to have been in infected areas. And as well as that, last week was a week when many delegations went around the world, and all those will be back again. So... We will have a meeting this week of what I call the Conference of Presidents too, and I think they will have to make a decision regarding what's going to happen because uh, with all the travel involved and so many people meeting other people, the possibility of infection is high. And also, of course, it takes two or three weeks for the incubation period to show itself, so this could get worse before it gets better, but they would have to discuss it this week in Brussels and take a decision then. Right, and John, we know the rugby authorities are due to discuss this later today. Again, uh, the Ireland-Italy match uh, has uh, been postponed, which is due to take place in Dublin uh, this weekend. Uh, but now we heard, I think, that um, um, events uh, which would attract over 5,000 people in France um, have uh, been restricted. Now, obviously, that would mean the France-Ireland game is at risk uh, in Paris. Um, and we're entering a big time for sport. Uh, GA, very close to your heart. A lot of fixtures uh, taking place and continuing to take place. Um, we have the St. Patrick's festivities due to happen in Ireland and other parts um, over the next few days. We've Cheltenham next week. What's your instinct about what will happen there? I think it's going to be very doubtful that they will all go ahead, particularly if there's another outbreak. I think then the restrictions will become become uh, much more sterner for people because, uh, as I say, when you can pick it up from people who have it alongside you, from sneezing and so forth, uh, the risk uh, is obviously very high. So they will have to look at this proportionately, see what's uh, the outcome, see what's the likely effect. And then, obviously, human health will have to take precedence over everything. It has happened before the things were shut down. It may happen again, but hopefully it won't be for too long. I mean, do you think, for example, that the European Parliament in Brussels and Strasbourg may be put into suspension? Yeah, I think it's quite likely. And there's another complication here for us is that fact that we'll say MEPs, from the Lombardy area, or maybe from Italy, uh, aren't allowed to travel. Then next week, for instance, we go to Strasbourg, we'll be voting on legislation. The legitimacy of those votes would have to be called into question, because if MEPs who were entitled to be there weren't allowed to travel and vote, then they could question whether the vote was legal or not. So that's one thing that the Conference of Presidents will have to discuss this week. If every MEP, basically, uh, is not able to travel, uh, because of being restricted officially, then they would have to say, uh, would the parliament be official in itself in any decision it makes? So that's certainly an added complication for us. 
right. A, a listener saying to us on Limerick today this morning, no one's saying anything about how coronavirus might impact on a pregnant woman. Does pregnancy put you in the vulnerable category? I'm 15 weeks uh, pregnant and I don't know what I'll do if someone in my community is diagnosed. And uh, another listener says, I disagree with the handing out of communion in church. I disagree with putting it in the hand at all and putting covers over the holy water in the churches. We're going way over the top. If you believe in God, it is faith that would prevent you from getting the coronavirus. Um, the bishops have a lot to answer for. Well, I, I think you know, God helps those who help themselves and all of that. And one would imagine that uh, scientific knowledge, if you uh, believe in God, came from a source that would allow us to be sensible and uh, try and find ways of uh, restricting these things. Um, Sean Kelly, what is your advice to your constituents listening this morning? Well, I think like uh, your previous interviewees there, you have to follow the advice of the authorities, the experts, the HSC, and obviously simple things like washing hands seems to be very important. And if you sneeze, make sure that you cover your mouth and uh, tissues throw them away and dispose them properly. I think hygiene is obviously very important in this uh, category, and I think uh, we have to follow the advice of the experts, but also be vigilant ourselves those little things that we can control. Okay, uh, Derek McKay is uh, the Managing uh, Director of Adair Human Resource Management. Good morning to you, Derek. How are you? Uh, Very good, Joe. So uh, what is your advice to uh, employers and employees uh, about the coronavirus? Yes, well, look, obviously there's a lot of uh, information out there from HSC and organisations like that. But from an employer's perspective, I think planning is a key element. We're talking to organisations at the moment in terms of contingency planning and business continuity planning. And communication, certainly to employees, is vital at a time like this. And having good clarity on your absence management policies, your sick leave policies, and very much health and safety being to the fore for employers um, and any risks that this may uh, present for employers is absolutely key to manage um, on behalf of employers at this time. It's very difficult, isn't it, in an open society, a democracy, an economy um, like Ireland or any of the parts of Ireland, including uh, Limerick, uh, to even envisage a complete and total clampdown on all movement. There, there is a balance here. Oh, Absolutely. I think, you know, com- common sense is really obviously what we're looking for employers to, um, I suppose, show and demonstrate at, at this time. And we see day by day things are evolving. So it's very much an ongoing um, consideration on behalf of employers. But I think that's where, I suppose, scenario planning around the different things that may or may not happen is key for employers. So I suppose at least they've thought through how they might manage um, something uh, should it occur, either impacting the business, you know, information, um, or, or materials getting to them um, and being able to continue on business as usual or should an employee um, have concerns about their own health and um, how best they're going to manage that within the workplace. Okay. All right. Thank you very much, uh, Derek, who is Managing Director of Adair Human Resource Management, uh, Sean Kelly, MEP, Kieran O'Brien uh, from uh, ERIMA and uh, um, Donald Ryan. Uh, any final thoughts? I mean, obviously, particularly if you're a parent listening this morning, you know, it is understandable now with all of this information coming at you that you're going to be worried. It is, but I think it is about a, a um, balance and um, there are many, many threats every day to our lives and to our safety and to our family's health. And um, 
I think we have to get the balance right that, that yes, this is a threat out there. It, it, it could get an awful lot worse before it gets an awful lot better. We need to sort of keep going at what we're doing. One of your people who passed comment there sort of said that, get on with it and um, keep a sensible balance. And it's worth pointing out, I think, the death rate so far based on the known yeah. cases. I mean, for people in their 70s, uh, for example, um, I think the death rate is something like 8%. And yeah. in many cases, that is with pre-existing or underlying um, conditions. Um, so, you know, any death is tragic. Yes. But, yeah. but there are um, yeah. limits to what yeah. this virus is doing so far. Yeah, I suppose the other reminder is that, that it's possible... And next year, the year after, there'll be another virus. So the way we do things, both from an environmental point of view, for a disease preventing point of view, we need to be looking at and thinking about as, pers- as individuals and as communities and as nations. Um, that that um, Sean Kelly referred to there, the meeting on the, on the Brussels airport, that's a hub, that's a, a, almost a pot where the infections will meet. We've got to be thinking about those ways, the ways we're doing things. Okay, very good. Thank you so much for joining us this morning as well. Donald Ryan, uh, our friend from City Vet. Uh, lots more to come on this and other things on this morning show. Call Limerick today now on 461995.